Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited to be here with my co-host Andy Dolich and our guest today and Mike Manella, Director of Business Development for the National Football League. And we'll get into Mike's story, a little bit about sales, sponsorships, and we'll go from there. But nonetheless, Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So kick off your journey with you know, not only St. John's, but the Devils, BSC legends, and what led you to the NFL League office and um, enlighten us about some of the lessons you've learned along the journey as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on and um, certainly happy to, to give you my path. And, um, you know, I think it was it was a little untraditional at first and then obviously been in the, the sponsorship space for, for quite a while now. But um, I'm, a, I'm a local New Yorker, born and raised in Queens. And um, when I was 18, I, I didn't really go away to school. I uh, stayed local and my brother at the time was working in, in insurance sales and still does. Um, and as a freshman in college, I was like, hey, why don't you come work with me and, um, you know, kind of cold call to, to local, um, you know, small businesses to, to really talk about 401ks, retirement plans, group benefits, all, all that. So uh, I actually worked in that space for call it three or four years. Um, had my series six, my series seven, um, again, really living the financial advisor uh, lifestyle, um, and then realized it wasn't really the passion for me. So at that point, you know, I, I actually stopped going to school because I thought that was my career um, and ended up going back to school to St. John's focusing the sports management program, which really got me into, um, you know, the sports world, which we all live and love, uh, during, you know, nowadays. Um, you know, from there, I ended up getting an internship with New Jersey Devils. Um, in group sales, which was my first, uh, you know, first opportunity within sports. Um, that opportunity led me to another internship with the Devils in the corporate sponsorship department. Um, a good friend and mentor of mine, Adam Davis, helped me out with, with that opportunity uh, and worked there until I graduated. Um, upon graduation, I got an opportunity to work um, in for BSE Global, so Brooklyn Sports Entertainment, Barclay Center, Brooklyn Nets, New York Islanders at the time. Um, Nassau Coliseum, we were also selling. So really selling across the board, across those different properties. Um, had a really good you know, three and a half, four years there. Uh, worked under some of the best in the business, in my opinion. And uh, a good friend, mentor of mine, Mike Savosky, was someone that I, I worked um, directly with for my time there. Um, you know, from, from there, went to Legends, which, you know, for me at the time was a, a new challenge in, in the sense of working on new properties that were um, really getting built. And, and I was extremely fortunate to work on some of the biggest and best properties in the world across our portfolio at the time, which included Allegionaire Stadium, which is obviously the home of the Las Vegas Raiders, SoFi Stadium, which is the home of the LA Rams and LA Chargers, um, and a numerous amount of other projects and properties, um, the Panthers, some others, et cetera. Um, you know, from work there for roughly a year um, before the NFL came calling and was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So I've been here for a little over three and a half years now. And it's been a, a really fun journey. Um, obviously, a, a little bit of a crazy time to, to start in 2019 and then going into 2020 to um, the world <laughs> shutting down. But 
um, probably learned a lot throughout the process and um, excited to be here today and, and again, be working for the, in my opinion, the best property in the world and certainly the biggest sport in the country. Now, Mike, one one thing before I get to Andy on on kind of his experience working across the team, property, league, et cetera, is you're sitting there making calls for insurance, financial planning. At what point did you go, yeah, sports, that's it? Like, I mean, how do you make that transition? Where did you, did you have somebody that was in the family or a friend that said, hey, you might want to get into this? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And and um, looking back on it, it's, it's kind of a, how this transition happened moment, right? But um, as many people that work in sports uh, often say, you know, I, I was extremely passionate and am extremely passionate about sports. I played sports growing up um, and, you know, um, when I was working in, in insurance, it always, sports was always my passion point, right? As many people, but that was um, just something that I, I truly love. So um, when, when I realized that, that obviously what I was doing wasn't my passion, um, but, I, but I thought I was very good at sales, um, you know, I, I didn't have anyone that worked in the sports industry, but, you know, my mom at the time said, hey, you've always loved sports. Why don't you just go see what opportunities there are within the sports world? And at that point, I that's where I started looking into just the business of sport and trying to better understand what opportunities exist. And, and by having conversations with, you know, St. John's Sport Management Program and others, um, it kind of opened my eyes to, hey, there is this world of sports business. And um, I kind of took, took a leap of faith, right? And 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 believed in myself to say, hey, I, I know that I'm good enough. I know that if I um, work hard and, and position myself the right way, I'll break into the industry one way or another because I will hustle and I'll knock on doors and I'll, um, you know, get, get in front of the right people to get opportunities. So, um, so, so that was really it. It, it was, it was, um, you know, a conversation with my family saying, you know, you should look into this. It's something that you're extremely passionate about. And, um, you know, taking a bet on myself that I, I would break into this industry, knowing that it's not the easiest, um, industry to break into, uh, without some sort of connections at first. Right. But, um, certainly possible. And, and, and I'm a case study of that. So, Mike, as a uh, Brooklyn-born, Long Island-raised guy myself, who remembers when St. John's was a national power in hoop, and Chris Mullen, yep. Lou Carnesecca, and, and all of that, I was smiling when you used the word cold call. If you went to the analytical metrical geniuses today, the youngins, would they even know what a cold call is? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but I, I certainly remember we, uh, again, back in when I was working in the churn space, we, we would have hundreds of cold call um, sheets and names and smile and dial, right? And it was, uh, it, it definitely um, made you grow some hair in your chest and, and realize how you got to position some opportunities, but um, it's a different world today. I, I don't, I don't think, um, as much in, in, even in my world, um, true cold calling is happening, but you want, you want to learn, um, true sales. That, that is definitely a way yeah. to, well, to we can, realize. we can talk offline now that we're buddies making cold calls for the Philadelphia 76ers at the start of my career in the season that they went nine and 73. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of, <laughs> you got a lot of hangups at that time and they weren't just the phone. So having been on the team side uh, during my career, um, what I noticed is that many people, myself included, over time said, boy, I want to work for the league. I don't want to work for the team. 
And then you'd go to meetings at the league and the league people would say, hey, Andy, how can I go work for a team? <laughs> so what, what are some of the significant differences that you've seen from the team side and from the league side, from a business standpoint? Yeah, um, there's certainly a lot of pros and cons to both, I think. And um, as, as you mentioned, it, it's very interesting to be able to see both sides of the coin, so to speak. But um, I, I think the biggest difference is, you know, from, from a team perspective, to your point, you're nine and 70 and, and 60 to whatever it is. Right. But you, you are so, so 73, 73, 73. So <laughs> not, not great, but you're so invested in that team. And as much as people always say, Hey, you don't want to sell um, the team on the court or whatever the case may be. There is a lot of that. Right. And, and I think that from a team perspective, you also, um, you, you own everything that you're selling, right? You own the concourse spaces, you own the LED signage, you own a lot of these assets. Um, from, but from a league standpoint, you're, you're much more selling the IP of the league overall, right? And, um, you know, we, we own and operate, you know, six events, big, big events during the year, Super Bowl, draft, combine, kickoff weekend, um, you know, Thanksgiving, right? These are moments in time that we, as the NFL control, that we could, you know, sell to our partners, but um, they're very limited, right? So it's really about how you're telling this national story, but also really looking at it holistically. And I think a good example that someone once told me was, you know, I, th I think from a team perspective, you're selling a piece of real estate, a house that is fully built and um, ready to move in, right? And, and depending on what team you have, it could be prime real estate or it could be, you know, not the best real estate. I think a league perspective is you're buying beachfront property. Now you need to build your house, right? How do you want this this deal to come to life? You need to, you know, do team deals. You need to invest in media. You need to, um, you know, do a, a bunch of other things to really make the partnership work for you. Um, but you are buying the best property within, you know, in, in my perspective, in the world in the NFL. Um, now, how do you make come to life with all these different assets and opportunities that that could help storytell that, you know, really on a national and or global scale for from a league standpoint? Mike, as you mentioned, uh, all the different events, there's probably no lack of travel on your end as well. And so when people at the team side are like, oh, all these games, all these games, you're still traveling, you're still a busy guy, right? I mean, what's the difference between your schedule from just a lifestyle perspective at the league versus the team? Sure. Um, yeah, I think there's um, there's different ways to look at it, right? I, I don't, I don't, I was on obviously the team side, and um, there's certainly long days and long hours, but there's no short of that on the league side as well. Um, you know, I don't think there's there's not those days where you know you get into the office at at you know eight a.m. nine a.m. and working till 11, 11 p.m. because there's a game night that that day. Um, but to your point, we're, we're traveling more than I ever have uh, in any other position, right? Whether that's through, you know, conferences or, or games or anything um, across the gamut, um, you know, we're, we're a true national property. So we need to go where um, the people, the decision makers are, right? So, um, and we're hosting games throughout the entire season in different states. So, um, you know, travel is obviously uh, something that that we're on the road all the time and again even the playoffs right you you don't know where the next round is and I might have to go to Philly or to San Fran this weekend um, based on you know clients and partners that might be out there so um, I, th I think it's different because there is a little bit more stability when you know you're in the office um, and there's not those long long nights but again I could be on the road for a week two weeks straight um, and that, that certainly 
has its own, um, you know, pros and cons to it as well. So, Mike, as you well know, if you come out here uh, to see the Niners, it's San Francisco. It's never San Fran. And uh, <laughs> God forbid you should ever say Frisco in a meeting. They'll think you're in Texas someplace. Um, one of the points that you just brought up is, is one, again, that I think is somewhat instructive. You, you talked about uh, all the work that you're doing, you know, 24-7, 365. And many people on the outside think about the term off season. So Jake, so Andy, so Mike, what do you do in the off season? Uh, give people a little bit of understanding that to a certain extent, the off season is your on season. Yeah, for sure. And I think there, there's a couple of things, right? I think from, from, from a league standpoint, our events team have done an unbelievable job to make our platform 365, right? And, and we have this calendar wheel that we show um, clients, partners, uh, prospects, et cetera, that there's really no downtime. Obviously, the season's from September to February, but once the season ends, you're start, starting to think about the combine, which is the month after, then the draft, then, you know, schedule release, then training camp. So there really is is a never, um, you know, stop cycle of, of events that partners can activate. I'd say we probably have the, the only downtime is the week of the 4th of July, uh, for us, but but again, to your point, also Andy, you know, the off season from a sales perspective is is our on season, right? So right. Um, during September and February, we 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 have the opportunity um, to showcase our product, which is again, I think the best product in the world. Um, but that that's really to get us, you know, set up for the following season. So you know, once the Super Bowl ends, um, you know, we really are thinking about our. Our, our next year or so um, the off season starting February to September is when we bring on new clients, partners um, and, and renew. And we're always thinking about renewing our partners and expanding those partnerships. But um, again, I, I think that that's really our on season is, is technically the off season. Exactly. The, the off to, season is the on season for the business side. Yet the in season is you're working every day uh, for the event itself. It is yep. kind of oxymoronic. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, yeah. It it is right, and I think that that's just when things things and, and deals happen because you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to uh, be successful, especially a year one partnership. Right. If you get that done midway through the season, it's always a little bit tougher to set yourself up for success. So we always try to push for um, how do we make sure that we're starting this, you know, in, in the off season to plan the right way, to launch the right way for you to have a successful year one and beyond. Mike, how do you go about building your network from a brand perspective, knowing that you've been working and trying to sell these brands, right? From, from the team side to then, you know, the property, then to the league. When you think about local versus regional versus national, how do you go about building your network? And, you know, are you also building your network at the team level too? Because, you know, the teams then have relationships in their markets and so on. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a great question. And um, it, it definitely is probably different Rolodex than, than I, I thought coming in, right? Because a lot of the opportunities that I've had in the past from a team standpoint, could be the head of you know the New York market or a regionally focused person that has their own budget to really think about whatever market you're in, um, where you know our decision makers are are, are national in, in in scale, right? Because this is this is something that has to come out of the national budget. So um, you know the the relationships that we're developing certainly need to be on the national and or global scale. 
Um, so, so that's really who we're focusing on CMOs or VP of marketing at, at the, you know, the highest power to be that can make decisions of this nature. Um, you know, from a team perspective, certainly always looking to build and network with those team opportunities, right? Because I think for us, you know, we always look at, and we, we could talk about what goes into NFL partnership, but we always look at, you know, what is the, who is the right fit to be an NFL partner and sponsor? And I think a, a first check balance is, hey, are they working with teams or are they open to working with teams, right? So having those local team relationships, knowing that, um, XYZ brand is in six, 10, 15 team markets helps us to evaluate, hey, this could be a, a, the right fit for a league sponsor because they're already invested in the NFL as a whole. So, um, you know, I, I'd say I have a relationship with someone from all 32 teams because we do need to have that, um, th those relationships for a numerous amount of reasons. But um, we may have questions. We, we may want to host people at their stadium. So that relationship between team and league is, is very important to me and having those relationships um, only enhance, you know, opportunities that we could work on uh, potential partners together. Let's All of us. About, Go ahead, Jake. Well, let's talk about real quick, what goes into an NFL partnership. Cause I know you mentioned that real quick and um, I'm not going to let you get away with that one because it's, it's an interesting topic, right? It's, you know, everyone thinks about the commercials or, Hey, they have this team deal, like, but it's much more expansive. Uh, and as you and I were talking when we first connected, it's, it's similar to a PGA tour model as well, where you kind of have these different buckets of money that you spend in in verticals of business. Yeah. I think from a very high level and not to get in the weeds of it. Right. But um, there, there's obviously the IP um, that comes with, with being an NFL league partner and the official X of the NFL. Um, and then within that same vertical, there's, there's opportunities that we own and operate, like we mentioned, right? Super Bowl, draft, combine, uh, kickoff, et cetera, of how you could activate these big, you know, tentpole events and, and moments within time. Um, there's obviously, you know, opportunities to work within, um, with our clubs and our players and things of that nature to help amplify the story, right? To showcase, again, your your player and, part, and and team partnerships on a national scale, how you get uh, Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or name the, the player on a national commercial, there needs to be, you know, a relationship with the league, the club and the player. So, so opportunities within those verticals. And then again, a lot of media that's tied to it, right? We are a national property and we own our own uh, network. So um, opportunities within our, our media verticals and our, our broadcasts, you know, you kind of put, a bunch of those things together, which equal uh, a league partnership and how you start talking about um, what, what the, the the partnership is about. I think for us, though, is, is what's very important is what's that what, what's that authentic tie in and call it needle throughout that really um, that really showcases what we're doing together. Right. We are a less is more um, type of property. We're not looking for hundreds of sponsors. We're looking for the right ones. And how can, you know, I, I'd say that we have 37 partners right now, and I'd say that every single one of them have their own vertical and story that they want to tell with us. So we're very thoughtful and strategic about, hey, what, what is the story that you want to tell with us, Microsoft and, and the tablets or, you know, AWS and what they're doing with us on on just, you know, the um, on, on their tech side of things. So um, I, I would say every single one of our partners have a very unique story, which which helps tie that national local media story to help amplify the entire um partnership that what we're doing with them with each partner mike as we wrap up the episode uh, uh, you know i'm thinking about all the different things that you've talked about today and and one of the the words that comes to my mind is is patience right because not only patience within starting your journey 
uh, in, in insurance and financial planning to get into sports, right? And then the patients to go from one team to another to eventually kind of make your way to where you are now. But then even where you are now, the patients to getting a deal done, right? And I think when we were talking, it was, you know, still still on, on uh, two hands, the amount of deals that you've been able to do in three and a half years. And that's a significant accomplishment, right? And so when you think about patience and, and the word, for those who are listening, what does that mean to you uh, with your journey thus far? And, and what lesson does it maybe uh, provide for others that are listening uh, as they're moving throughout their careers? Yeah, no, no it's a, a great point. If you think about anyone, I think in our industry's success, it, it it's longevity, right? And, and I think, you know, whether it's about deals, whether it's about relationships, um, we're not in the business of, of a sprint. This is a marathon, right? So um, being able to, to uh, make sure you're building these long lasting relationships. And, um, you know, I've heard it on, on this show before, but a lot of people always say, this is a business of of relationships and um, it's not a transactional business, right? So being able to um, continue to develop these these relationships that might become beneficial and fruit, you know fruitful for the first six months, or maybe in two years, or maybe five years from now. But making sure that you know you don't burn any bridges and making sure that um, these relationships are authentic and and they, there is true um, you know relationships that are being built. I think mean a lot, right? And and if I look back on my career and my mentors that I've had when I first got into it, the the, the people that gave me my first opportunities, like I'm still talking to those people monthly um, as check-ins, right? Like these are these are still influential people in my life that um, that I don't forget that have helped pave my way. Um, and and I try to do the same for for you know the next generation that, that that's coming up and coming because I do think that and, and I look back on my career. I didn't. I wasn't fortunate to have that one person that was a senior level executive that helped me get into the industry. So um, I got in because I, I I wanted to hustle. I wanted to knock on doors, and I wanted to um, you know be determined to to work in this industry. Um, and I think that's part of it, right? It, it, it's building those relationships, but being also um, you know I think patience one word, but also um, you know re- relentless, right? And and making sure that you're continuing to knock down doors and. Um, when you do just make sure that, that those doors don't close. Right. Because I think you never know when, when that person that you met from a, could be a potential partner, could be again, a a potential boss one day, like who knows what happens. Um, you don't know where people end up. So the people that you grow with are also going to end up being senior level leaders at one day. And, um, I just think that relationship building from all different verticals are extremely important in how you grow your career throughout, um, you know, throughout your time, wherever you are. That's absolutely the best advice. We're always uh, go to that point with guests that we have because it's a family in sport. It sounds a bit hokey, but teamwork, leadership, and trust. If you don't have it, you don't have anything. My last question, as you've traveled around the country, nobody can compare to New York style pizza, right? I mean, I mean, I'm I'm born and raised. You said Long Island, Queens, Bayside, so um, I am not going to argue at that point, Andy. I, I I don't know if I could eat pizza elsewhere unless it's Little Caesars, who's our partner. But um, <laughs> but but uh, well but done. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there, there's nothing like New York New York pizza. You got it. My <laughs> quick quick rapid fire for you, since uh, Andy started to almost kick it off uh, with with pizza, but. Um, nowadays in the crazy world of communication and every which way to get in touch with people, what's your go-to? Is it text, email, cold call? 
uh, phone, in-person visit? Are you knocking on a door? What are, what are you doing? Uh, I think all of the above, right? And 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 um, whatever which way a, a potential you know a client, a partner feels comfortable. Um, I, I say my preference of if, if you really think if you're starting to build a relationship is is through text message, right? I feel like that's a lot more personable to someone, and, and it feels um, like you're connecting quicker than an email or even even a, you know setting up a call or a Zoom. So. Um, but, but, uh, but, you know, we, we do all the above text, email, zooms in person, um, which fortunately are, are fortunately are back. Um, but, but again, I, I definitely like a, a good text to get across a message to someone that, that you need to, you know, you need to tell someone something. Andy, you got rapid fire. Well, I just told you, Jake, that we have advanced from the point in my time of cave drawing, smoke signals and carrier pigeons <laughs> to to all kinds of digital <laughs> devices. Uh, no, my point is exactly what you talked about, that it is um, a business where if you don't have those personal relationships, if you can't look into somebody's eyes and understand what their needs are, instead of overselling, you're not getting to the right place. Yeah, and, and I think to that point too, of just like, you know, new and new and innovative ways to reach out, right? Obviously. Cold calling is something that is not as common as it was uh, even 10 years ago. But, you know, I think for me, it's always also been, and I learned this from, you know, Mike Savosky, who's, who's again, a, a mentor of mine, um, but like how are we differentiating ourselves in outreach, right? Like, are you doing homework on where they went to college? What's their favorite team? Um, again, obviously we have, we have access to everyone's, you know, social media and seeing, Again, are there kids fans of a team, right? Like what are different ways that you could differentiate yourself to break through the clutter and the noise where nine out of 10 people won't send them, you know, a jersey that um, that that is their favorite team or the college alum where, you know, it's like, oh, this person did their homework. Let me at least, you know, have a have a conversation with them. I think that's a, a thing that I've done in the past that has has worked and hopefully helped in my success. But, um, you know, differentiating yourself in a way that a lot of people won't is is a. Uh, I think a way to really break through a lot of the noise that they're getting hundreds of emails a day from everyone in our industry and others. I love that point because Andy and I had a conversation about a week ago about a couple of colleagues and the way in which they reach out or thank you notes and $2 bills or Starbucks cards and things that work, things that don't. Uh, what's your go-to? Like if you said creativity, thank you note, uh, whatever it might be, reach out. What's your go-to thing that that you have been really successful with, without giving yeah. away all your secrets, of course? <laughs> I, I think it, I think it's what I just mentioned, right? I think it's really being creative on it could be a it could be a follow-up or it could be breaking, you know, into a new relationship. But it, it's doing the homework on what their passion point is and getting something to them and across that you you did their homework, right? It could be anywhere from seeing their college alum to reading a um an article about that individual that i don't know might say that they're what their favorite snack is right and you're buying them a snack as as a follow-up right so i think it's just anything that showcases um you've done your homework on someone and and making sure that they know that um so you know again i've done things where you know we we bought a a bo jackson auburn helmet for someone who went to um you know bo jackson's college in auburn so um, that, that helped break through the noise, right? We used to, and still do send 
you know, jerseys or opportunities for people that are their favorite team to say, hey, welcome to the NFL. Here's some some swag of your favorite team, right? Just any any ways that that showcase you've done your homework and it's creative. Um, I've seen be really successful for for myself. Andy, anything, any last words? Well, those kind of gifts are better than a floor plan in real estate or an insurance policy. <laughs> uh, that's that's for sure. And that's why we work in the magic of sports. Mike, as, as a longtime listener, first time caller, uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast and uh, love, love the storytelling, the advice, uh, the insights. And uh, of course, welcome on anytime uh, in the near future. And uh, we'll see you out at Super Bowl. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it and, um, and look forward to keeping in touch. See you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.